Somehow, Palpatine returned. Hello, welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. Uh, my name's Roger. And my name isn't important. And this is the show where we each write a song in the space of a week and we talk about how we wrote those songs. How did we write the lyrics? How did we write the chords? How are you doing, Declan? Um, uh, how dare you ask me that question? How dare you describe the premise of the podcast for people who may not have heard it before? How do we get out of this asking questions thing? Uh, by making a statement. which There is, we go, you've done it, you've done it! This is episode 124, I think. Um, 124. We'll, we'll say that for now. It yeah. probably isn't, but like we'll say it for now. And like a few episodes ago, the title of the episode will contradict what I'm saying right now. So, uh, so yeah, that's good. I'll just pick a random number that we haven't got to yet. So it'll go like uh, episode one twenty two, one twenty three, episode nine thousand nine hundred and eighty six, episode one twenty five, episode. <laughs> I like your thinking there. Yeah, I mean. I suppose for those people who don't know about the podcast, um, like I said, we write a song every week. Um, but some weeks, we, sometimes we have challenges in the seasons. But this is season thirteen, and we have no such challenges, do we? No, uh, except to write damn good songs. Yes. Which, which is the uh, ever-present challenge in songwriting, is it not? It certainly is. It's um, it's probably the most difficult part. It's easy to write a um crappy song i find oh yeah dime a dozen those are but to write something that's good that now that is the challenge so do write in and let us know when we've actually achieved it (laughs) (laughs) Um, and what what we tend to do as well is we take it in turns as to whose song we listen to first each week and this week we're listening to my song first which uh which is going to happen in a second. I say not pull it up on my phone and try to sound nonchalant. Go on, Declan. Do some funny things. Quick while I got this up. <laughs> um, and my song this week is called Lies I've Told. Ooh. And it goes like this. Years go fast, but time goes 
That was Roger's song this week called uh, Lies I've Told. Uh, and I would be telling you a lie if I said this song was absolutely rubbish and the worst thing you've ever recorded. <laughs> this is amazing. I love it. Like, we were, like, chatting all the way through listening to it. Like, there's just such a lovely tone and feel and uh, tonality to this one. Thank you. Oh, like, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's all that kind of Spanish feel. I think, it, you know, it has a lot of power using sort of the minor chord with that sort of borrowed dominant chord you know it, can i it just all... say show off as well playing those lovely licks like uh, <laughs> that's moment in the first solo where there's like a rake or that really fast descending bit in the last one just like mm, so good it's not like dmx um you got any more <laughs> well it's like i said to you when we were listening to it like if you've got those chords going on and you've got a little instrumental break, you've got to have the Spanish guitar going on. It's like the rules. Like, the first thing they tell you when you're a musician, if you write a song that sounds like this, you better make sure you've got a nylon string guitar. You better. Yeah, grounding your fist into your palm. Um, like, but, there'll be consequences if you don't, you understand me. I mean, like, this is one of those songs where, like, how do I put it, like, the... Once I got the, a few chords from it, I was like, oh, the atmosphere is established, you know? Mm. It's just a case of capitalizing on something that I just, you know, stumbled across. <laughs> so how did you, uh, so you were saying, like, uh, capitalizing on an atmosphere that you stumbled across. What kind of uh, chords make up the atmosphere to this one, then? How did you get started musically with it? Well, it starts with, because um, it's in C minor, it starts with, um, it arpeggiates every chord, which is kind of one thing that makes it a little bit different um and so it starts up by arpeggiating um c minor and then it goes to this lovely chord which i actually learned from uh the gilbert o'sullivan song alone again naturally it's in there somewhere in the verse which is an f minor over d which is a lovely little chord that almost sounds like it's going into like a diminished seventh yes it does doesn't it very much so if you but were to I turn that c into a b it would be but but it's just one of those things like using one chord and the bass to sort of imply another one which is just a lovely little thing absolutely i'm always surprised by those types of chords too as to like how effective they really are because i think oh, it'll just be like an f minor but it's like it does it sounds like a whole new thing you know well we've said it before we'll say it again bass is one of the most powerful tools in your songwriting kit and if you're not aware of it make yourself aware of it 
Absolutely, absolutely. I, I would actually recommend, like, if you haven't tried um, F minor over D and you're a guitarist, or a, or a pianist, obviously, but on guitar it's particularly nice because all you're doing is you're, you're barring the first fret on the E, B, and G strings, the highest strings, and you're playing an open D. I mean, and immediately you have this, like, you know, like I said before, like an atmosphere established. So, uh, so yeah, I go from arpeggiating my C minor to my F minor over D to a G7, and though that's basically like the the three big ones in the song, you know. Yeah, because the thing is, the chord movement is quite slow in this, but it's like really, it makes you wait for the next movement. Also, allows you time to sort of like use a lot of your vocal range. I noticed in this one. Well, yeah. Um, I think for me, when I when I enjoy singing a song, I'll like um, play with the melody a lot more and improvise more, which this demo definitely does. Um, I, I only recorded the demo about an hour ago, but I improvised on it way more than I thought I would. And um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I mean, when I first wrote it, it was in C minor and is in C minor. But um, when I went to record it, you said this last record, then a week before, I believe, where I went, oh, crap, I've written a song too high for my voice. So originally it was like, fine, light rod in the river. Which is just, I just couldn't kind of sustain that, so I had to take it down a tone on the guitar. Ah, so it's in B-flat now. B-flat, yeah, yeah. Um, But just for the ease of playing it. But the thing is, when you write, I mean, this kind of applies to guitar more than anything else, I suppose, but when you write a song on guitar and it uses very specific shapes and your fingers get used to them, by the time you realise it's time to change the key, you're like, oh crap, okay, I'm either going to have to completely relearn my finger shapes or just cheat and tune the whole guitar down. I mean, it does apply on piano a little bit because your chord shapes will be slightly different depending on what key you're playing in, but it's a lot easier to move things up and down Mm. uh, than it is with, like, for example, the chord shapes, fingering uh, chord shapes for, like, a C major and a D minor, like, are exactly the same. Uh, Like, you've only got two or three, like, basic shapes to move between. But with a guitar, like, there are so many... Like variations just because of the way it's set up. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, sometimes, like, um, we're digressing here, obviously, but, like, sometimes a guitar riff can be based upon how easy it is to play. So you might kind of go, I don't know, I can't think of any great examples, but you might kind of go from one bar chord shape to taking your first finger off, you know, and then you've got, like, a bass like that. And then to transpose all of that, you kind of got to like really stretch your fingers a lot more than you would. Or anything that uses open strings, like uh, it would be difficult to try and play the riff to something like Day Tripper, uh, either a key up or a key down without retuning or capos. Very much so, yeah. Um, which is really the only time I really use a capo is like when I need to kind of transpose with you know little time to just on the it. fly, like right, I've decided a capo up. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another thing I want to try with capos as a really quick aside is like half capoing, just capoing some of the strings on the guitar and writing a song like that. I've been meaning to do that for years. I can imagine that would work well in something like Drop D, but uh, I'm I'm not brave enough to try it. <laughs> this is this is too much for my tiny tiny brain. <laughs> so um, once I had those um those kind of three chords going C minor, F minor over D, and G seven. I mean, there are some other little passing things in there, but I just, I had my pen and my pad and my dictaphone, and I just started, like, playing the chords and improvising some melodies over the top, and it's pretty close to what actually came out in the end. I just kind of got this first line, 
which doesn't really make much sense, but it kind of does as well in a way. So like, I'll come to the lyrics more later, but this song isn't one where I can just go, it's about this one thing. And there you have it. It's kind of like the whole thing is kind of like a, I don't know how pretentious this sounds, but like a poem or something where like it kind of in, in, implies a feeling and it, I suppose it's Wait, about what are you of... trying to say? That you're engaging in artistic expression? No. <laughs> on a songwriting podcast? Who told you that? <laughs> the nerve of the man. The nerve of the man. I don't know why I'm so apologetic about being artistic. <laughs> <laughs> Silly, yeah, it's really. like, Hi, this is the point of the podcast. Sorry about that. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, I suppose, yeah, I'll come back to the lyrics in a bit. But when I got to the chorus, after, like, you know, improvising some lines and kind of, like, getting a general verse idea, I was like, okay, I need a B section, um, which is the part where it goes, you know, Years go fast, but time goes slow, swallowing my pride. Like, the lyrics came after, but I was like, I want some kind of, like, interesting-ish chord progression here, which uses some borrowed chords, but also still maintains that atmosphere which I've established in my verses. And so what I came up with was uh, uh, going up to the... I'm probably talking about the Roman numerals in minor scales, but I'm going up to the fourth chord in the scale, which is F minor, then down to C minor, then D sharp, seven, G sharp, C sharp, G seven, C minor, D sharp, seven. That's the chorus, and it's weird, and it took like half an hour to like get them in the right order. <laughs> I can imagine. Like I'm just trying to think about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I don't think any of them were like crazy weird or like crazy out of context, but like sometimes I think the E sharp, uh, sorry, the D sharp uh, major is the one that really throws things. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, and it almost, almost made me go into a different key because, like, once you once you play that D sharp seven, it's it's the dominant of G sharp, right? So like yeah. it, you you almost want to like change key and go into a G sharp major song uh, section, but I was like, I could do that, but I like what I've established in the verse too much to just abandon it after one go round. That's a danger with like uh, trying to write the music first is that like if you like end up like coming with loads of uh, disparate bits and you think okay well I can use this to transition between keys and major and minor and like. Uh, weird sections and straight sections and things it's just kind of like okay but how does this help communicate a mood because mm. like we like being clever we like key changes when they're done correctly uh and we like uh expansive songs but like it's all got to be in service of the mood the vibe and the point absolutely agree yeah it it really does and um i think rather than trying to be clever with the chorus chords what i was trying to do was just sitting there and just like you should have seen me. I was just like trying over and over again. Is it this one? No. Is it this one? No. Shall I sharpen that? No. Is it diminished? No. It's not diminished. I'm just trying to go back and forth. Um, oh, the worst thing is like when you've got most of a chord sequence, but you need the one at the end, but you don't know what it is. So you take a run up <laughs> at it every single time. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so annoying. And you just and you just like find the right one eventually. It's just like, why have I not thought about this before? It's so obvious. Yeah, it's always like an obvious one. Like you've tried all these diminished chords and these weird augmented things, and you're like, it could be that. It's like, oh wait, no, it's like just the five chord to go back into the one. <laughs> I'm overcomplicating this in my <laughs> in my head. Yeah, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, 
exactly but but so i needed to like find the the chords for the melody and i, I found them so um and then i basically i've started doing this thing recently where like because i don't know you know declan and any long time listeners of the show will know that i basically tend to write chords and lyrics at the same time but i've been doing this new approach this season which has actually yielded some interesting results and probably more refined results there was a notable pause there before you said interesting (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) some uh yeah interesting (laughs) (laughs) um but what i've been doing and and it does provide more refined results i think is i'll record like my music and i'll have a vocal melody and i'll record it on my dictaphone and just like just kind of like loop it for like five minutes and then I'll have my chords going, my melody going, and then I'll just sit there and listen to it over and over again and just have my notebook and my pen in my hand and just, like, write out lots of different verses and try and get the best one and just see which ones work the best and try and just sort of, um, I guess you could say, audition lyrics. See, I have a similar approach uh, for normally just my first verse. Like, you'll write out verses like verse after verse or first line after first line and you're trying to find the one that hooks you in Mm. yes yes definitely because once you got that first one going the rest of it kind of flows a bit easier doesn't it yeah uh provided that you can actually expand it out into a full journey once you've got an intro you're like yes i know where i should be headed when i recorded the demo for this i was like okay the lyrics are better than i thought but i think the the weak point for me if you were to ask me like what i thought the weak was part of this song is lyrically I like the emotive thing, but it it doesn't say as much as I want it to. And like, I think the metaphors are kind of nice sounding, but kind of empty. And so like the the first line I came up with was um, just from like improvising the sounds of words was fine wine runs in the river. um, And then kind of rhyming with that, a fine line crossed. Now the river is never the same. I just kind of like using this river metaphor and I love water metaphors. You know me, I love a good water metaphor. Oh, he's water metaphor mad, he is. <laughs> they call me the, uh, um, um, puddle guy? No. <laughs> that was dumb. Um, but, uh, so I do like a good water metaphor, but, like, what does that even mean? Fine wine runs in the river. But then the thing is with lyrics is they can be so open-ended and maybe, like, someone could listen to this song and be like, oh, I get what he means. It's like that that Paul McCartney, John Lennon thing. Not comparing myself to them, but just it makes me think of that story where Paul wrote Hey Jude, brought it into the studio, played it to John Lennon, and he said, he was playing it, he went, the movement you need is on your shoulder. And he just looked up to John, he said, I'll change that. And John went, no, you won't. He said, that's like the best line of the whole song. I totally understand what you mean. So sometimes like the vague lyrics can be the ones that make the most sense in a way. So I don't know. Well, I mean, there's quite a lot you can read into open lyrics like that. And it's kind of to be too specific in a song like this would maybe go against like the slightly ominous mood of it, the uncertainty that's present in the chords. Mm. Like if you said something like, I feel sad and depressed <laughs> or like because of X, Y and Z, like that when I mess- made a sandwich, there wasn't any mustard. <laughs> turkey's kind of dry um but um yeah fine wine runs in the river like it implies something's gone wrong but it doesn't specify which kind of leaves it nicely open-ended 
particularly pop songs are like it's about this thing whereas some songs because it's not just poetry and it's not just classical music or whatever it's almost like some middle ground where you can establish just a mood and i feel like some songs fit into that category of just like this is the mood that i'm trying to establish with this um and then words help carry that to some extent but I don't know. We all we all have our favorite lyrics and our least favorite lyrics of our own songs, and I suppose this one just didn't sort of. I'm not crazy about it. I guess. I would like to heartily disagree. I absolutely love like the sort of the sense of the words, if that makes sense. Thank like, you. The feel of them. Like I don't. I couldn't tell you what they mean, but like <laughs> they fit. Thank you. That that, that is really validating to hear. Actually, thanks, bud. I appreciate that. But I suppose one thing with lyrics, like you were saying that, oh, they don't actually mean anything, or like they uh, aren't specifically about something. I suppose quite a lot of the more well-regarded lyricists of all time tend to be like more confessional or more direct, or they have the capacity to do that. And mm. it's a perfectly valid way of writing songs, but it's not the only way. No, yeah. Like, uh, I mean, if you look into a band like, for example, Fleetwood Mac. Uh, where like Lindsay Buckingham and Stevie Nicks are known as like these great confessional songwriters, but like Lindsay Buckingham will be more direct in how he's feeling, but Stevie Nicks will suddenly go off and talk about wild witches in Wales. Um, both of them equally successful, and they can both sit alongside each other quite comfortably. There's no one way to do this. Absolutely, absolutely, I I agree. And f- for me, like the. End of, at the end of the day, like, how moved am I by a piece of music is really the question. Like, whether that's, like, getting me pumped up at the gym or whether that's, like, you know, I've just had a breakup and I want to be sad. Like, whatever the thing is, how moved am I? And, like, some songs for me, they move me a lot, but I don't... I could tell you what they were about. Like, you know that song Spirit of the Radio by Rush? Like, I kind of get what they're saying, but, like, loads of the lyrics are like, what are you guys on about? But the the feeling of the music is there. Mm, exactly you know the vibe of where it's roughly headed for yes like and certain words like um kick out of you like a it tells tells a salesman and things like that like if it's about the radio that you kind of have an idea that it's like a nostalgic look at a less commercial time maybe (laughs) but like that's the thing like you can pick out one word and then it can start informing your view of the lyrics where someone else might pick out something else and read something else into it I completely agree, yeah. Um, listener, what are your favourite nonsensical lyrics which move you nonetheless? I'd be interested to know. That would actually be quite interesting to hear. See how many uh, uh, ones like uh, are just truly weird <laughs> and what people have read into them. Definitely, yeah. Um, there's so many out there. I mean, lots of pop music makes sense, but equally a lot of it doesn't make any sense at all and that's fine too yeah like i say no one way to do this so that is about all for my song this week um let's have a listen to your song declan i'm loving your song this week i've only heard it a couple of times pre-podcast but uh what's it called um well uh before we move on i do want to say i absolutely love this one and i do think you should produce this one up for your next project uh, look at us all being nice to each other. Oh, I know. It sickens me. You should see us off air. We're, we, uh... I've given him a black eye the last time we recorded in person, <laughs> which is why we don't do it anymore. Oh, yes. Someone call help. 
<laughs> no, thank you. I appreciate that. And I think I will produce it up and um, make the end of it really dark and ominous and probably heavy. Yes. I was saying while well, uh, we were listening to it, like you should have like the first half be like this really acoustic, small, uh, folksy kind of thing. Feedback starts building up and then it kind of the arpeggiated chords turns into like an early Radiohead or Muse song or something where it's suddenly like super heavy, super distortion, all the effects on the vocal, like really playing with that, like feedback, it builds, the feedback builds back up again and then at the end just cuts back to the acoustic riff still going. I love it. You know, it'd be really cool as well. It's like, it all starts like fading in and building in and like you got like the feedback coming in, but then you got like an arpeggiated synthesizer. Whereas like in the beginning of the song, the guitar's going ding 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 ding, and then the arpeggiator comes in. And it's like do little 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 little, and it's like double time, and then it all kicks in with the drums doing half time. Yes. Okay, now we're just now we're just off on one, but yes, yes. That is, that's got to happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um no thank you i feel all giddy and happy now thank you um tell us about your song um so my song this week uh is called what's the damage uh and the damage is about two minutes 53 it goes like this Boots, but that thought he banished. 
So that's Declan's weekly song this week called What's the Damage? And I'm a really big fan of this. This is an awesome song. Uh, equally sort of pop-focused and uh, chromatic and kind of experimental. Um, I love the way the lyrics move with the chords and everything. Um, awesome. Awesome song. Thank you. You're very kind. Very honest. <laughs> right, so that's it for the weekly song. <laughs> <laughs> no, it never gets old. Very, very, very cool. Um, how, did, how did it begin? It began quite differently to how it started out. Uh, I was actually wanting to write something on piano this week, so obviously that went super well. Um, <laughs> I ended up trying to come up with a set of lyrics first, and I was trying to sort of write it in a very ABBA ballad kind of way. Mm. Uh, but it was kind of about like being a relic of like say 200 years ago and seeing how the world has changed around you but I, I sort of liked it but it just wasn't really doing anything for me and I was swiftly running out of time to get it done I sort of had to abandon that plan because I only had like two days left to get it finished uh, and just started playing around with the guitar and one of the chords I just absolutely love playing on a guitar is a major seven like particularly an E major seven, like those are just noise. I like them. They're just so ambiguous in a positive way. So I started playing around with that, which is how you get like the first bit, which is like the soft bit. That's kind of the first bit I came up with. I was just like, okay, cool. So if you sped this up, you could have a bit of a like faster moving track and everything, but this isn't going to sustain like a whole like roughly three minutes ish. I need something else. Mm. And then I was just thinking like, well, you know, if I've got chords in the chorus, let's have a riff in the verse. Uh, so it's not a very complicated riff. It's basically the songs, I think, in F sharp. It's basically playing around with two and four on the E and the A strings, which is F sharp, G sharp, B and C sharp, with a chromatic run down every now and then for, uh, from E to C sharp. So you're sort of staying around the one chord area, but you've got a bit of movement in there. I like how the um, the chromatic rundowns, am I right in thinking that they grow each time? The first one is just E to C sharp, and then at the end of each verse, it's E to C sharp, then B to G sharp. Yeah, I like that. That's awesome. It kind of like expands on the theme quite quickly. But I just kind of thought, like, it's just a funny thing to hear, because, like, as you're descending, obviously your voice changes, and like if you're like feeling a bit silly with it, you can do like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I didn't do that in the actual recording because we're meant to be taking this somewhat seriously. Um, but uh, sort of like, I was just having fun with it. It's just like, oh, okay, cool. I can be silly. <laughs> no, that's, that's that's awesome. I mean, it definitely has sort of like a. I don't know what's the word. Like it's not like a serious, serious song, I guess, which is which is kind of nice, you know. It's not too heavy. Mm. There's a sort of, it's not playfulness. That's not the word, but like there's a something to it mm. that isn't just sad and doom. So clearly, what I did was put sad and doom lyrics over the top of it. <laughs> just when I was then coming to like restructure the chorus, I just thought okay, let's link the two sections a bit more so they feel more like the same song and just put that chromatic run in there again. So it's just like, okay, that ties those bits together slightly. I, I was saying while we were listening to it as well, like at the beginning of the song, the way it opens so clean, you don't know what's coming, you know, the, as, as a first-time listener. Well, I kind of like that gag. 
I've done it before in things like Vultures and Giants where it starts off soft and it goes to the really fast thing. But this is kind of like always thinking about like a uh, band situation. Like if you had just like an electric guitar with a relatively clean tone, having a bit of fun with this, like playing around with the chords, people might think, oh, this is going to be the weird arts experimental one. Mm. Starts building. Oh, no, it isn't. Everything kicks in at once. Well, we're both a fan of the kind of shock factor, I think. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of something to just keep the audience's attention. Mm, mm, definitely. So I had those two musical bits. Uh, I was running out of time to like get stuff written, or like. So I thought, well, I know roughly what the vocal tune will be. I know what the chords for the verse and the chorus are. I need something that's got a bit of a bridge in it. So I ended up uh, having a B major seven, and then having a bit. Originally, it what it didn't change time signature, but I ended up going between F sharp, G sharp, and E power chords. Mm. So, so it would have been one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, back to the thing. Uh, as I was developing what the words actually were, I thought, no, hang on. What if I make this slightly weird and change that so that's just three sections of three and then back into four, four? Uh, I was wondering what the sort of um, unusual metering was there because, yeah, it's a, it's a really unusual choice and it kind of makes it that little bit more sort of, I don't know avant-garde or experimental kind of reminds me of like an xtc song or something i mean i wouldn't go so far as avant-garde or experimental but i was thinking more like biffy Clyro. yeah where like every now and then you might just get one random meter change just to prove that you can do it <laughs> yeah just to like pass that grade that uh whatever it's like demonstrating yes i can count to three and to four um <laughs> but it, i think the thing was with um odd meters is like they have to kind of feel warranted and i think they really do and they like in this song they provide like a real nice contrast i thought well i mean like i say originally it was just it was just in four mm. uh so it'd be one two three one two three one two as opposed to one two three one two three one two three one two three four one two three four mm. so i had that and i sort of started writing uh a set of lyrics and then I had an engagement over the weekend, which meant that I couldn't really do any writing until Sunday afternoon. So this was like about midday Saturday. Mm. The trouble was I was, try I was trying to write uh, a set of words because I knew that obviously you've got the major sevens in the chorus. And I was just thinking like, well, that sounds a bit more serene. So I can have that as being a positive point and have the verses be the stresses that lead up to what the positive point actually uh, infers about them. I like that. That's that's a really cool uh, way to do it. Trouble was, it doesn't really work. <laughs> oh, because you've got to go back to the negative point, if that makes sense. Like you, because it wasn't like a positive point in terms of like defiance of the negative point. It's just like here are some bad things that are happening. But anyway, never mind about that. Here's something I like. Never mind that fact of the <laughs> negative thing. So it's just kind of like this will just flow really weirdly. Uh, so I scrapped those and just started again. Uh, and one of the key things that I want to change about my life is my job. Right. Um, mainly due to the fact that it takes up so much of my time. I have to travel and sometimes up to an hour in and out of work. And where I work is open relatively late. Mm. Uh, so my evenings are never free. So I never feel like I have the time to do anything. And just... I started writing about that. Like a few of them, few of the things here are things that have like sort of inspired by timing problems caused by my work. 
And I will just say right now, uh, this is kind of written from the point of view of like a fantasy uh, store manager. My store manager is not actually like this. I'm fine. I've not written. <laughs> I've not written an autobiographical song uh, or a biographical song of any literal person. It's more like about the mindset that, like, uh, management is forced into thinking, because at the end of the day, management, particularly management above store level, doesn't think of the people below them as. Uh, people because there are so many of them mm. they think of them as numbers as bits of paycheck like uh, which I mean it's that thing what's the name of that uh, phenomenon where like um, if it's one person it's a tragedy but if it's like a multiple number of people it's a statistic yeah I can't remember the name of it but yeah it's kind of a yeah quite a common thing isn't it not to say that my life is a tragedy although we are getting quite close <laughs> um, so like for example, uh, he sleeps until 12 and he wastes his evenings. It's just like that thing of like, well, you never do anything with your evenings, so you're always free to work. It's like, the reason I don't do anything with my evenings is because I'm always working. Yes, exactly. It's kind of a cyclical like, thing, isn't it? Or like things like waiting for his boss to leave quite past his leaving time uh, and management seeing that as a positive thing where it's like certain pe- certain managers I've worked with in multiple stores where I've had to be there when they're closing... Uh, they don't have the same sense of getting out of there as quickly as the people below them because they tend to be paid, uh, in most stores, they tend to be paid like, to get the job done rather than being paid per hour, which the lowest level people are. Mm, mm. So while uh, the lowest level people have clocked off about like 15 minutes ago, they can't leave the store until the bosses have got their stuff done because they've got they're being paid to do the job rather than being paid to be there for a certain amount of time mm. which is leads to some situations where you are just sat there waiting thinking like I do want to like go home at some point yeah like I'm I'm still here for n- no real financial reason yeah but then like as the song moves on it moves, in, moves into sorry this has just turned into like my therapy session and like uh <laughs> And an excuse to rant about work, so I will. And then they wouldn't uh, give me Monday off. And <laughs> well, like for example, like a uh, happy to work ten days in a row. That's based on when I moved up to Bristol. Like uh, for some reason, I was scheduled. I had I, I was going to move up at the start of September. I had to work about ten days in a row at the end of August. I had like five days to move up to Bristol without actually having a house or anywhere to live. Wow. So it's just kind of like, wow, thank you. Uh, this is so helpful. And then, like, because of the way that corporations treat their lowest level employees, that leads to employee burnout. So you're beginning to get things like, he never responds with our five star greetings. I've given him some hints, but he already knows. And slowly he slips through the goals that he's not meeting. This is kind of like, for example, when you're told, oh, make sure you mention, like, we've got these special offers on the tills that you need to mention to people, or make sure you mention about the leaving a review online of uh, the store's service, or make sure you do this, that, and the other. Hmm. Which, like, with this, like, pointing out things to try and sell people on the tills, like, I just oppose that. Like, people will buy them if they want them. Like, I, I see no need. <laughs> like, they come into a shop, they know what the deal is. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, yeah. <laughs> difficult to tell my... your manager that though isn't it exactly yeah or like uh when they say like i'll oh, make sure they leave a review of your service it's just like no no thank you um <laughs> like i i i'm not a 
bad employee so far as I'm aware. I'm not like uh, being dismissive or like uh, rude to customers or anything. I try and be positive and helpful. I don't want them to suddenly have to, because the thing about like that sort of thing, it means that you then have to be on your best behavior all the time because no one knows, you don't know if anyone's going to like write about your review, which you can see why it's done. At, but they always frame it as like, look, you've got a positive review from like a member of the public. It's just like, so what? <laughs> I completely get it. Honestly, you're talking yeah. to someone who's had years of working at holiday parks. I get it. <laughs> like anyone who has to deal with the public and is then had has this thing of like, uh, you know, that person said you did your job really well. It's like, cool. Um, do you want to pay me fuck. some more and give me an actual reward? Or like, uh, do you just expect me to have this happy feeling of joy in my heart? The thing is, like, some people you work with sometimes, they get well into it. They're like, yes, we made sales targets. You're like, why do you care? You don't get anything for this. Like, I, I exactly. Like, I sort of care, like, about... Well, I don't care about sales targets and things. I'm interested in it because I like numbers and data. Mm, mm. But I don't care if, if sales targets are met. Like, there's no incentive for you, is yeah, there? Yeah, no, it's just a fun bit of data to see because you can start extrapolating things from it. But it's it's not something that's going to alter how I do my job. Exactly. Uh, and then, like, uh, the last one, like, uh, where, like, he hasn't eaten lunch for two days. He says he's too poor. How could he not manage? It's just like... For some reason, I seem to be the worst with money in my store or in multiple stores where I've been. Uh, so often means that I have to sort of budget quite carefully towards the end of the month. I mean, I can sort of see, I sort of know why. I work fewer hours than a lot of the people there. Uh, I have to spend a lot of money on public transport every month. I have a car and most other people don't. So I have to pay insurance and fuel on that. Uh, I'm a musician, so like obviously I've got things that I regularly need to pay for, like uh, strings and repairs to instruments and things like that. But it also comes down to the thing, like where, like for example, if you said like, oh, I'm not buying lunch today, I've, I'm going to have like a meal when I got home because I got food there. They go like, well, what? Why don't you just have a sandwich now? So it's like, I, I have to budget. This is a thing. Mm-hmm. Or like an attitude you can sometimes get where like. Um, I've literally had a customer say to me before, like, uh, why, why are you uh, here? Why are you like not enjoying being here? They pay you to be here. It's like they don't pay me enough. <laughs> yes, I mean this is more a generational thing, and like uh, we have less money to spend generations previous because inflation and because of wide ranging social factors, which we're not going to go into. This is not a political. Uh, a political podcast at all but like in terms of how much what proportion of your paycheck you can spend people today or younger people today generally have less mm-hmm. uh which when older generations look at that some like a lot of people can understand that some people can't and the people who can't there's no reasoning with them like uh mm-hmm. They're just going to see it the way they want to see it. Yeah. And I will say as well, no manager has ever expressed that point of view to me. But you can bet, like, management above them or, like, uh, from a store level, if they sort of said that, they would just go, well, why don't you budget more? Why don't you spend less on public transport? Why don't you do this, that, and the other? Right. Because at the end of the day, corporations exist to spend the least money while making the most because that's how businesses work. 
every single business in the world operates on that principle. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a bad thing when it becomes like mass uh, enforced onto uh, a lot of low-paid people in quite an extreme way. Yeah, it's not a bad thing in and of itself, but it certainly gets worse and worse the further down the pyramid you go. Yeah, the more you try and push that scale, the more harm it can potentially do. Uh, so next week you shall uh, see me after having lost my job <laughs> after writing this song. I wrote it in the staff room at work as well. I was just like kept looking out the staff room door, just thinking like, please don't imagine not be coming up here. I don't want to have to explain what this song is about. <laughs> it's like it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about corporate mentality. <laughs> the word manager can be taken in so many different ways. <laughs> yeah, like you're one of the nice ones. <laughs> yeah, you're one of the good ones. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, if you are fired next week, it's a pretty cool way to lose your job because of a song. I mean, it would be pretty punk rock. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, uh, one therapy session later, that's basically what the song's about. And that's kind of... I was trying to write the words with, like, a sense of... Not sense of irony, but, like, a sense of... Oh, what am I thinking of? What's the word? exaggeration sure yeah yeah not necessarily about like your exact situation but like kind of almost like caricaturizing what you're going through that's a good word caricature it's a caricature of bad managers yes exactly for legal purposes it's a fictional tale (laughs) (laughs) inspired by real events (laughs) yeah but no i mean that's, that's the thing i mean you you were speaking uh in the last couple of episodes about how you write about what's going on in this moment in this week for you in your life and it comes across as like that it comes across as you know the honest way that you feel sometimes and i think that's you know it's a great thing it's good Mm. i can't write like this every week but sort of i'm relatively happy with how this one came out but i i think i'm gonna try and play it live uh, a couple of times and see how it goes down because this could just be seen as like moaning like uh, to the nth degree, which is not always fun to witness on stage, but I'm going to give it a go, see how it goes. Well, I mean, the thing is, we all need a moan sometimes, and this is moaning to a catchy beat. I mean, you've just listened to like 20 minutes of moaning, so... (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, that's that's all good. That's that's what the song's about. And um, I can, I mean, on, on a note of like music about it, like I can hear the band around it, if you know what I mean. I can hear where all the crashes would be and... You know, obviously the bass is already in the demo and stuff, so I'd be interested to hear how this one sounds produced up. This would need a good drummer. This would need a very good drummer. But I'd love to sort of have, like, multiple guitars, like, one being, like, a really tight funk one and one, like, being a bit more expansive or, like, uh, just more washes and noise that comes to the fore in, like, the bridge and the chorus. And then it'd just be like doing weird sound effect things during the verses where like the other one would be taking charge more. Or like uh like uh the bass line I've played is quite simple. So obviously in the verses everything would have to follow, but like I'd love to see like what a more adventurous bassist would do in choruses. Mm-hmm. With that set of chords. Definitely. I, I like I like the fact that um in your demo when you when you go to the um major seven chords, the bass slides up to those seven notes. I think that's something I hear you do quite often when you have seven chords, and I'm a fan of it. I mean, I, it's it's become a cliche, like seven chord. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Highlight the ambiguity. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't just play that route. 
Yeah. Again, you know, change the bass up, and and it has a quite a powerful effect. Hmm. Uh, just bass is your most powerful tool when writing. Didn't really use it that much here, but like, I nearly sort of tried to in the uh, in the bridges. I nearly tried to sort of have the B uh, major seven going, and just changing the bass line to being F sharp, G sharp, and E. But it just didn't. I couldn't quite get my fingers around it in a way that sounded pleasant to hear. Mm. I mean, that's the thing, like, as, as uh, what do I want to say, not complex, but, like, as interesting as you can make bass work in a song, if it doesn't, like, gel and it doesn't work, you kind of have to drop it and move on to the next idea, and often the next idea actually works better, so... Like, uh, I think I've mentioned several times this season that I'm writing most of these in an attempt to play them live. Mm. So that is kind of like structuring a lot of how they are written. Like this one is quite fast and quite high, uh, high energy and energetic. There's not a lot of arpeggiating going on, but when it is, it's like building up to something. As opposed to like, for example, your one this week, where like you've got things like arpeggiation in there, but like it's just there to flavor the chord in a recording environment. Because mm. that's a, that's the thing when I write songs for live. It's like I have this instinctive reaction, like. Well, I can't write anything slow because people will go to sleep. So fast, energy, fast, energy. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. And um, what you were saying about like having having it in mind for playing live, I think is it's a point which I think we don't actually make very often, which I think is a really interesting one, is that when we write songs, like you have them in mind for like, okay, you can produce them this way or you can play them live and to an audience. And so you need a full structure, you need a full set of words, um, even at the demo stage. Like, you may not have all the tiny intricacies worked out yet, but you've got the skeleton there. And I'm the same mm. with mine because, you know, I want to be able to record them, so I need to know how many verses there are. There can't be really any vagueness about that um, because I need to be able to track them. And I think that's just, from other writers I've spoken to, that sometimes where they get stuck is, like, they go... Um, they go, oh, I've got this song, the cool idea for a chorus, but I never finished it, so like, I'm not really sure what I'm doing with it. Whereas if you go, I will definitely finish it to some extent, I don't know, it just allows you that confidence to be like, okay, I've got a full song now. So having some goal in mind, whether it's live playing or recording or something, allows even you to finish it, your songs, I think. Even if it's just in like a rough state, where like you know what the flow of the energy or the mood of the overall song is, you can just still go back and fix it later. Mm. Like for example, today I've been playing around with a, one of my old songs, which I've never played live, and I've desperately wanted to for ages. Uh, got a lot of faith. Oh, good song. Uh, it, uh, thank you. Um, but I've always hated the bridge on it. But I know exactly what that bridge needs to do, and it is doing that job. It is just doing it very badly. Uh, <laughs> so literally, just today, just came out of some new lyrics for it, and just it's it's ten times better. Ah, oh, sweet. Like, or like uh, I've, I was saying to you actually uh, in the week, uh, my song from last week, I realised after the fact that a few of the lyrics were just wrong. They were sort of on the right lines, but they weren't correct. So, for example, um, uh, a lot of it was meant to be about breaking problems and the first verse wasn't about that at all. Mm. Or like a lot of it was like in first person, but then one line randomly went to third person and so like literally just like i changed four lines and it's like again it's 10 times better but the fact that it's finished even if it's not in like the greatest state 
just enables you to think more about it allows you to step back come back to it a little bit later with a bit of an overview because you know roughly where it needs to go oh absolutely that's that's so true um would you care sharing what what the new words are and like how you changed it well uh oh we we this is i'm feeling this episode is very me talky heavy but like sure thing um so the first verse was originally give me the secret to keeping my eye forward and focus and on your side i just cannot help but look behind so give me the secret locked in my mind which i you know it is sort of about breaking a problem but it's not really it feels like interpersonal but in a constructive way as opposed to like i need to cut this off mm, mm. so uh so literally just changed it to give me the secret to break this line that only exists between your eyes and mine stronger than steel incredibly fine give me the secret locked in my mind it's then suddenly about cutting off from something and it's much more in line with what the rest of the song's about and it has a little bit more poetic imagery too yeah which or like for example good. the line that followed that was you've been in this tale too long which why does it suddenly sh- uh, shift to third person right i've been in this tale too long makes much more sense well i mean i i can totally relate to that thing of like coming back to a song but like i think the thing about having like you know what your general structure is when you've written the song it's like that old thing john lennon said to george harrison make sure when you write a song you sit down you finish it because it'll be really difficult to come back to so i think having like your sections there is important but not putting on the pressure of like i have to have my lyrics 100 percent done and like i i have this all the time and it's actually a little bit of an uh what do you call it it feels like a bit of a cheat to me sometimes but you've said you do it too so i feel a bit less guilty but when i write my song monday to sunday for the podcast um I'll finish it and it's all done. I've got a full set of lyrics, but then I'll go to record it and then I'll have I'll have had like two days away from the process and I'll come back and I'll go, wait a second, kind of like you said, I should change you to I. That makes way more sense. Why didn't I think of that before? Or like, Yeah, nine times out of ten, it's just a really small change. Like you say but, but you need to say and. Yes, exactly. It just, it just changes the whole thing and it not only does it make it more like make it make more sense but it also just like it can improve your opinion on a song tenfold it's crazy mm. but like you just can't look at it objectively if it's not finished it's like if you have like a storyboard for a film and you know roughly what the plot is because you see where it's going then you can focus on one scene in isolation that isn't working and think where, where does it need to go why isn't it getting there yes yes exactly and sometimes it just takes like sleeping on it to actually come across that i think Mm. just that little bit of distance it's like you know if if you get if you're working on any type of project or any type of thing um and you're getting sick of it and frustrated and angry and you you know banging your head against the wall like walk away from it like and come back five days later and yeah we've we've said this before like uh if you are just hitting that black brick wall you cannot engage with the idea just go away for a bit take a walk watch a film read a book um dance around the room in a mad frenzy hopping on one leg occasionally and annoying all your neighbors like just do something that's not songwriting (laughs) absolutely but i i think it's a it's important to highlight well Nah, it makes me sound too authoritative but from my my personal experience it's probably different for everyone else but I find that I have to be careful about why I stop the process and go and do something else. 
Is it because I've actually got something quite good going on and the sort of, you know, laziness kicks in? I fancy watching Netflix because at that point I'm probably abandoning what could grow into quite a bit, quite a good song with a bit of like real work. Whereas if, like you say, you're banging your head against the wall, you're, you're fucked off, you're annoyed, you should probably go and do something else. But you have to be quite careful you don't fool yourself in those instances. Mm. Just make sure you come back to it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. This is it. Um, so essentially, uh, the key uh, bit of advice from this week is to not write songs. Well done. We've achieved it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't write any songs. I can't stress this, stress this enough. How dare you try and express yourself through music? <laughs> who, who do you think you are? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. That's kind of... If there's one thing you take away from this episode is just don't write any songs. Just don't create. Creation is horrible. Consume. Consume product. Get excited for next product. Yeah, it's not like creating something is one of the greatest thrills life has to offer or anything. It's not as if it's emotionally validating when like, you create something and you know it's good and everyone else knows it's good and you suddenly feel that you have worth. It's not like you get some kind of subtle inner catharsis from writing about something which subtly is going on in your life it's not as if creative expression can suddenly put everything in perspective and you suddenly realize why maybe that you're feeling so sad and empty inside and then have the tools to be able to express it and do something about it exactly none of those things apply not a one so just don't kids not even once we should we should get t-shirts made up you know those old shirts that say just say no to drugs dare to say no to drugs we should get ones that say dare to say no to songwriting, say no to songwriting. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear well if anyone would like to buy that merch <laughs> you know what to do well maybe you don't know what to do make it yourselves <laughs> <laughs> but we will sue obviously you obviously we're following our own advice we're not creating no no we're not going to do any creating you don't, oh. Ain't nobody got time for that. Indeed. Um, well, I mean, that was that was quite long and quite emotionally relieving. Like I'm, I'm in a happier place now. Cut to next week. I'm so sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, I have written my song for next week. I've got two in the bag. I'm so annoyed at you. <laughs> I am superbly annoyed at you. Oh, and also, Why? also we've got um, we've got a lovely guest on next week, haven't we? Yes, we have. Uh, who is the lovely guest that we have on next week? The lovely guest we have on next week is um, returning to the show um, for a third time, I believe. Um, Sammy Jonas. Ooh. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to to have Sammy on hear his song and um, let's say do a three way, but you know, a less, I beg less your weird. Like, I wasn't informed of that. That's his payment. <laughs> anyway, let's... So what, do, so what do I get for doing this? The time of your life. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> oh, Shall man. we wrap up? Yeah, let's do it. So that's it for this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you've got anything that you'd like to say about this week's songs, if you've got some songwriting advice that you'd like to share, if you've written a song yourself that you'd like to hear on the podcast, uh, or if you just like fulfilling 
the sole purpose of filling up the internet with more words that it has to archive, why not send us an email at weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com? Also, why not follow us on Facebook and Instagram, uh, weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com, and YouTube as well. We haven't really put anything up on YouTube in like 20 million years because I'm in charge of it. I'm a lazy person, but uh, it, it's there. It exists. Um, so, uh, Roger. Yeah? Where? In the digital sphere, can people find your music? Well, um, as well as on the Weekly Song podcast, Instagram, and all the rest that you just mentioned, um, we, I mean, not we, I, we we post stuff on the Instagram is what I was about to say, but my mind got jumbled um, because I was drawing an octopus. Um, But I'd like to be under under the the sea. sea. In an octopus. Uh, and a drawing of an octopus on the page. Um, but yeah, I've um, I've got a new uh, EP out called Y2K. It's on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, Bandcamp, YouTube, other places, which I can't remember. Um, and check it out. It's really good. And uh, thank you. And yeah, so check that out. I'm on Instagram as well, at Roger Heathers. Give me a follow. I post videos of me recording and stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who's listened to Y2K so far. Um but that's about it. So how about you, Declan? And where can people hear your music? Uh, where can people hear my music? Well, if, if you type the words Declan Kitchener into YouTube or Facebook Ooh. or Spotify Ooh. or uh, uh, or Bandcamp or Deezer Ooh. or various other services that I can't remember off the top of my head, you just might come across something that's, that <laughs> resembles my music. If you wish upon um, a star. If you're very good, <laughs> you'll find some music on there. <laughs> um, what what am I on? Uh, so, yeah, I I believe that's all there is to say for this session. Other than that, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what your song is like next week. You already obviously know what it's like. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Sammy's going to do. Yeah, gonna yeah me good. too. I'm looking forward to yours as well. Um, Thank you. I haven't written mine yet. It could anything could happen. <laughs> it's funny when um yesterday we were like, well, we both have songs, and you're like, I don't yet, and someone's like, come on, you've had 19 hours already. <laughs> it's just like this is a conspiracy. You can't both be done. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, um, but yeah, um, looking forward to all of that, and uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. It's been a pleasure. It has it has been. Um, I don't know why you're saying that as if normally it's a chore. Uh, Never it's a always chore. a pleasure. Never a chore, always a pleasure. Yeah, it's such fun doing this. I absolutely love it. That sounded sarcastic, but I meant it genuinely. Uh, This is a problem with having a very unexpressive voice. Uh, So I shall stop talking now. Never a chore, always a pleasure. An hour and change and a bundle of treasure. Aww. Aww. Ta-ra! Bye. Ta-ra!